0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: God had to prepare them because they were going into lands that had been so inundated by idolatry. The idols were so prevalent in the land. The, the horrendous practices were so pronounced in those, those cities and everything that they were going to go in and they were going to take over. So God had to say, you know what? I need to prepare your heart now because you're not going to be able to handle what you're about to see. I need to do this work in you now to get you to be obedient to me, to trust me for who I am. And see, that's God's always, that's always his plan as he always prepares. How amazing is your love
0: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us this week on Truth in Christ. Today, Pastor Rob continues a four-part series to complete Chapter 1 in the book of Deuteronomy. In today's message, Pastor Rob explores how God prepared the nation of Israel during their time in the desert prior to entering the Promised Land. Even though they were rebellious and disobedient, God extended His love and patience to them in order to follow through with His promise to them. As Christians today, we can always rely on God's loving direction in our lives to prepare us for future events that we may face, even though we may be unaware of his preparation. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message.
1: The book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, obviously the fifth book of Moses, and the book of Deuteronomy is really a a summary, if you will, of of what had happened during the children of Israel during their wanderings when they came out of Egypt. And so Moses here is describing and recapping, if you will, events of their past. And the whole intent of that is, is to get them to understand what their, four, what their parents had been through. Because if you remember, when they were in the desert, they really um, tested the Lord many times, and God was at one point so fed up with them that he was just going to consume them. But Moses, if you remember, interceded for the children of Israel, and he said, Lord, if you're going to destroy these people, then please blot my name out of your book as well. And so the Lord, I love how he allowed this circumstance in the lives of all those people to bring out something in Moses that God had initially probably wanted all along, and that's just to get Moses to not think about himself so much, but to be thinking about others, And to have a shepherd's heart. Because that's what it takes to take a million and a half people when they started and get them through the desert and get them into the promised land. You better be a good shepherd. And no doubt that is why God allowed Moses, after his 40 years of preparation in Egypt, he allowed him through uh, sordid circumstances, allowed him to be uh, just wandering around the desert serving his father-in-law Jethro and being a, a shepherd for 40 years. So he was 80 years old before God would even use him. So God had to undo those 40 years, all that education, the finest that the world had to offer. That would be like today going to Yale or Harvard, the Ivy League schools that everybody holds so, you know, up here uh, in high esteem. And so Moses went to all these schools. And it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. Wandering around the desert, no longer having confidence in his pedigree and his background and in his circumstances. Moses was just like, Lord, I'm here. Just use me. And finally, God could speak to him and say, I want you to deliver my people. And so he does. He brings them out. He calls them out. And you remember on that fateful night of the Passover when the death angel came over and and, uh, they had to sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the lentils of the doorpost. Anybody that was inside the house where that had occurred, was safe. And anybody who wasn't, their firstborn was killed that very evening. And so it required faith, didn't it? It required obedience on the, on, the, on the behalf of the Israelites at that time and also for the Egyptians, because if the Egyptians heeded the word of what Moses said, those servants, those firstborn, would also be safe as well. And so it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It's the blood of Christ that covers us, that saves us. And so, we're, so Moses leads them out, and during that 40-year wandering in the desert, remember, it wasn't because it took that long to get from Egypt to the Promised Land. It was really, if, if you were to take a straight shot from Ramesses, where they were in the land of Goshen, and you were just going to go uh, east, you would just be able to go a straight straight across and go up the uh, the, the King's Highway there along the uh, border, or if you wanted to go up on the other side, what they call it the other side of Jordan, which is really the east side of Jordan. It would have only taken a week or a week and a half, two weeks at the max, even with that many people. But it was God who, through the, the pillar of fire by night and through the cloud by day. He was guiding them all along. And there were moments, if you remember, and so where they would be traveling and God would just, the pillar would set and it would just stay put. And they weren't to leave until that pillar began to move. Or at night when that pillar of fire started to move, they had to be aware of it and they had to start packing up and they were going to follow that. And God led them through the desert that way. And so it was God who held them in certain areas for so long. And why did he do that? Was it just because he wanted to waste time No, he was preparing a people. He was preparing them for what they knew they were going to go into. And because of the nations that they were going into, these seven nations, the Girgashites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and there are a few others, God had to prepare them because they were going into lands that had been so inundated by idolatry. The idols were so prevalent in the land. The, the horrendous practices were so pronounced in those, those cities and everything that they were going to go in and they were going to take over. So God had to say, you know what? I need to prepare your heart now because you're not going to be able to handle what you're about to see. I need to do this work in you now to get you to be obedient to me, to trust me for who I am. And see, that's God's always, that's always his plan as he always prepares. You know, I love it how God even prepares us you know, there's things that he does in our life, and we don't always understand, but the preparation is the journey. It's the it's, it's the desert wandering. We don't understand what he's doing, but deep in the basement of your heart, God's preparing you for an event that you can't see, that you don't even know about years ahead of time. It could be losing a spouse, and 10 years prior to that, 20 years prior to that, God is starting to prepare your heart because he knows that you're, you're dependent on that person. He's slowly weaning you off and saying, I, I need to do this because I need to prepare you for what's coming. You, you can't see it. You don't even know it, but I know it, and I'm, I'm preparing you. So that when it does happen, you're not going to break. See, so a bruised reed, he won't break, and a quenching he won't uh, uh, quench a smoking flax. He, he's he's very gentle God, and he always loves to prepare in advance. So he gets these, uh, these rebels... And they they test the Lord very, very hard out in the desert. And God at one point said, you know what? They're not going to enter in the promised land, but your children are. And in fact, Caleb and Joshua, who were the only two men, and we're going to see that tonight, they were the only two men who were faithful and brought back a faithful report. They believed in God. And God loved them for it. He says, those two men and their descendants and these young ones, these, these children, their fathers have died in the wilderness. God waited until every single one of those men, those 10 other men who brought back the evil report, every one of those men died in the wilderness. They never got into the promised land. That whole generation died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And it wasn't just one act of unbelief. It was several acts of rebellion, rebellion, and rebellion, and rebellion. And guess what? God was so gracious to them. All along the way, but there is a point when God says, "Enough is enough," and that's the line that you and I never want to cross. We never want to cross that moment when God says, "I've, I've, I've given you enough rope." Now, I believe that God is plenteous and overwhelmingly uh, stocked, full of grace and mercy and compassion. It is definitely true. But I know this is true in my own heart, and I see it in the life of others. It's different for every person. There may be. All of us in this room, God can, hand, God can put us in a similar situation, and he's saying, you know what? I need to do some more work in you before you can handle this. And so he, 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 he condescends to us, and he's merciful to us, and yet some of us know better. We know better, and we do it anyway, and someone else might not know. And so they seemingly get away with it for a while, where the person who knows, knows better gets busted first. Right, God holds you accountable for what you know, not what you don't know. Right, And so they get right on the edge of the promised land. They get on this, uh, the other side of Jordan, on the east side of the Jordan River there, in the land of Moab and Edom and that area. And Moses here is giving them a series of sermons. That's what the book of Deuteronomy is. It's really a series of four sermons. In fact, I'll just show you. I, I failed to do this last time but just an outline of the book, if you can see. Um, there's really, the first address by Moses happens, What we, we've already read uh, some of it already, and it begins in chapter 1, verse 5, going all the way to chapter 4, verse 43. And then his second address begins in the very verse after that, all the way up to uh, chapter 26, verse 19, and those are just the covenant obligations. And then his third address to this group, this new group, this new generation, is... Chapter 27, verse 1 through 29, verse 1. And that's the, the, the three, ver- or three chapters where we talk about the blessings and the cursings. And there, there's a lot of blessings and a lot, a lot of cursings, too. So he's saying, blessed are you if you do these things, cursed are you if you do these things. And finally, his fourth address is just a summary of all those covenants, those demands of the covenant through verse 30, verse 20. And then finally, in chapters 31 through 34 is what we call the transition period. That's where Moses is going to die. And he knows that God tells him, Moses, you're going to live for 120 years, and you're done. You're going to go up to Mount Nebo, and I'm going to bury you. No one's going to know where you're buried. To this day, nobody knows where Moses was buried, except it's in that land of Moab somewhere around Mount Nebo, but we really don't know. And transition is what we've been going through, hasn't it? Pastor Jeff leaving, and then me stepping into that place, and... And so it's been a, it's been a, a really um, wonderful experience, and I'm so glad for all of you because you have uh, stayed. Uh, By the fact that you're still here is not because, well, it's because you love Jesus. It's because you love his word, and his word is being taught, and that's the thing that everyone of us understands. That's why I'm here. That's why I came here. That's why I stayed here from 1995 up until the present is because every time I came, I was hearing the word of God. And so I know that that's the same for you too. And then if we look at this this chapter, we we can really break it down. And this is just an outline that I I roughly put together, but it, it, it makes sense. The very first couple of verses, first four verses, just speaks about who wrote it, to who it was written, the place where it was written at the time it was written, verse five through eight it it 's just Moses rehearsing before this new generation concerning the land that they were about to go in and to possess, in fact, the land that God had promised to Abraham Isaac and Jacob, and last week we went through all those scriptures where one by one he reaffirmed the covenant with each of those men those those sons of of uh, Abraham and then uh, Isaac and then Jacob and then to Moses and then to you know to um jo- uh, Joshua and uh Caleb as well, and then in verse nine through eighteen, Moses reiterates the need for leaders and their role, and that's kind of where we're going to be. We're going to be reading and looking into some of this again briefly, and then in verse nineteen through thirty-three, we see the journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, which the Bible says should have only taken. It should have only taken eleven days. It should have only taken eleven days for them to go from. Horeb, which is in that southern part of Mount Sinai, up and then over to Kadesh Barnea, which is the very southern part of the Promised Land, right on the edge of it. So, and also in that in those chapters, we see the sending out of the twelve the twelve spies to 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 uh, I said to teach out to search out the land is what I meant to say, search out the land, and, and of course their fear and their unbelief. Verses thirty four through forty are those who were permitted and prohibited from entering the Promised Land. That's where we find out about even Moses not being able to go into the Promised Land. Why? Because remember the one time he, the Lord told him in the early on in their the desert wanderings, he said, just strike the rock with your staff, Moses, just once. And there's a type here that God wanted to make sure that was delicately maintained. The rock is Christ. He was struck once. Right? On the cross, it says he was once and for all, died for our sins. So he was struck once. And so Moses struck the rock, and the water poured forth abundantly. Fresh water, right? They needed that. God knew that. And then later on, a year or so goes by, and they start complaining about water again, and Moses gets frustrated, and the Lord just says, now Moses, go speak to the rock. So Moses loses his temper and he takes that staff and he whacks that rock not once but twice. And God was gracious. The water still came for the people. But he said, Moses, you misrepresented me. You misrepresented my character and the type that I was going to show. I mean, and it makes sense to us now, all this time now from the future, you know, from the past, it makes sense to us now that that rock was struck once. You don't have to strike the rock again. Jesus was crucified once, and so the type was very important to God. He said, as a result of that, Moses, you cannot, enter the king, you cannot enter the promised land, but God in his grace allowed him to climb up to Mount Nebo and look, and on a clear day, he saw all the way from Mount Nebo, all the way up north to Mount Hermon, and he looked over and he saw the, the Mediterranean Sea. And on a clear day, it's really wonderful, there's a, there's a mountain in uh, Galilee, it's called Mount Arbel, and I've been up on that mountain. And uh, on a clear day, you can stand up there, and you can see the whole Sea of Galilee, and you can look down south, and you can see the Jordan running down into the the Dead Sea, and you can look north, and you can see the snow-capped mountains of Mount Hermon in the distance, fading just just in the distance. You can see it, and it's such a wonderful thing to see. And so he wasn't allowed to go in, and neither were all those other people. And so but Caleb and Joshua, they were able to go. And of course, in chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verse 41 through 46, we, we see Israel presumptively trying to ascend the mountain um, after God had told them to go and take the land. And then they, uh, they shrunk back from that because of their fear. And then after Moses reprimanded them, then they said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And God's like, no, don't go now because I'm not going to go up with you. And the presence of God was everything. If God wasn't with you, don't go up. It could have been the same exact circumstance. God with you, God without you. And one, you're going to be successful, and one, you're going to lose horribly. And so the decision was that they were going to go up now because they'd made a fool of themselves, and now they're feeling the sting of sin, and they're like, we're just going to go up and do it. And they got got beat pretty bad, and they had to run and, and hide. So let's look at... Chapter. We're just going to read through verse one, and we're going to get down and just comment on a few things. So it says, "These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan. That is the east side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Zuf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazeroth, and Dizahab." Now, these names don't mean a whole lot to us today. In fact, there's a lot of discrepancy on where these lands really are, because even today, if you, you can you can do all your Scrounging and looking into this, and there's not a lot of information on where these locations are today. There's a few of them, but it says in verse 2 It is 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. It says, Now it came to pass, verse 3, in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. After he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtaroth and Edreah. These are all, when he's talking about these two kings, it's basically every, all these this land on the on the east side. Like if you were looking at me and here was the, the Dead Sea right here, and then you had the Jordan going up to the Sea of Galilee, everything on this side over here on the east side, uh, that's what he's talking about. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, was down over in this area, and then Og, king of Bashan, was up here in this up by the Mount Gilead and up even up further north in the Bashan, up here in the northern part of Israel, all that land they had conquered. And he says, verse 5, on this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law. Again, he's, it's, a, it's a second telling of the law, not a second law. It's not something different. It's just the same thing, but retelling the event. And actually, you'll find that in Deuteronomy, it's just a little bit briefer. It's just a summary. And so tonight, Lord willing, we're going to go back and and just kind of review a few of these events as we go. So the Lord spoke to us in Horeb saying, you have dwelt at this mountain long enough. And that was actually one of my verses that got me into ministry. Uh, It was that verse. I sat right there um, with my brother sitting, and uh, the Lord spoke to me that day. Um, back in 2002 when Pastor Jeff was sharing the same verse. He just started uh, Deuteronomy and got to that verse, and the Lord spoke to me, and that was when I knew that I was supposed to come and uh, at least be on staff at that time because he had invited me a year prior to that, and I hemmed and hawed and didn't think it was possible um, for a lot of reasons. And um, so anyway, he said... You've dwelt at this mountain long enough, Israel. He says, turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. So go in, and here's the command, go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. And I spoke to you at that time, verse 9, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. And the Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems, verse 12, and your burdens and your complaints? You know, some have said that God doesn't give you more than you can handle and that 's actually not a true statement. It is true, as we can see on the screen here. There is a verse where when it comes to temptation, it is true that God won 't allow you to be tempted more than you are able, but as it says here, no temptation has overtaken you, such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you are able. So God knows how much you're able to take based on your makeup, and he knows he knows you very well and very intimately. He says, but with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In every temptation where you feel like you're about ready to buckle, there are always ways of escape. And God whispers those in your ears, and, and you can choose to deny them to your own problem, right? But he gives you the a way out every single time. But God does give us more than we can handle. Because this happened to Moses. He got to the point where he's like, you know what, I can't do this. I need some help. I can't do it. So verse 13, he says, Choose wise understanding and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, The thing which you have told us to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and understandable men, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribe. And I love that. Even in the secular world, they know this to be true. In any army that is being composed, the American army, whatever army there is, there has to be organization. And God is not a God without order. He is a God of order. And he doesn't just create chaos; he makes sure that everything is decently and in an order. And it's no different in the house of God, and here, where there is a lack of order, there is chaos and there's problems. But where there is order, there is peace, and there is uh, God's will is being done. And so, in Exodus, we're not going to go there because we went there last week. But in Exodus chapter eighteen, verse thirteen through twenty-seven. It says that men were selected, and they were really there to help in secular matters. And these leaders of hundreds and leaders of thousands, leaders of fifties, they were, they were really there to help um, Moses. If you remember, Jethro gave the uh, advice to Moses. He says, Moses, what are you doing? You're going to drive yourself crazy. You're in your tent, and you've got a million people lined up. Uh, it's worse, It's like the Apple store. <laughs> you know, you're waiting in line, and you've got this long line or a, you know, uh, uh, what, what's the uh, Bill Gray is on a, Sunday, you know, on a
0: Sunday. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, this has been Truth in Christ.